da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you seriously? It's showtime. Continuing our tradition that we started less than a year ago. Can you have a tradition that's less than a year old? Is that is that a thing? It can't be called annual because, of course, we haven't done it for a year. But a tradition that we started this year, and again, to quote Jim Nance, a tradition unlike any other that I've found. I've been looking at traditions online for weeks. So many traditions. Haven't found one that compares to our throwback episodes. Yes, we're going to keep this going as long as we can, I think. I'm really enjoying doing the movie a week and then a uh, throwback movie a week, too. I think that's yeah, a good kind of mixture of old and new, nostalgia, mm-hmm. and also pop culture and uh, movie news, rumors, rumblings, all the things that we're known for on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I really like enjoying, I really have been enjoying and liking going back and visiting and revisiting movies that I liked growing up and haven't watched in seven years, you know? Like movies mm-hmm. that I really liked yeah. and watched for a while. And uh, maybe watched a couple times a year, uh, you know, right after they were released on video and things like that. And uh, had them so well in my brain that I just don't watch them anymore, even though they're some of my favorite movies. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I think the movie tonight falls into that category. 2002's About a Boy. Not 2014-15's About a Boy. The the reboot. I mean, if anything needed a television reboot, it was About a Boy. I mean, I just... It couldn't. It couldn't have existed without somebody rebooting it, right? Like that was a uh, NBC was is probably the most predictable for that to happen. But if if you had told me, all right, somebody's gonna make an about a boy TV show, I probably would have done ABC. It would have been a very yeah, family, yeah. family yeah. friendly ABC kind of show, I would think. Uh, I, I guess it lasted maybe a couple seasons. On I know it got renewed for a second. Yeah, I believe it got two seasons. I can look okay. it up. I can do their research if you. Whoa, will. you have you got internet? Yeah, <laughs> this is a new Giving thing. These paychecks, uh, getting a lot of money from my my church job. Uh, <laughs> but as, aside from me, money, right? I can't two look seasons. that up right now because my internet's out. But <laughs> two two seasons. Yeah, uh, I believe. Yeah, those two. At, yeah, yeah, two seasons, thirty so, episodes ish, yeah, thirty three well, episodes. What a time. I bet if you, you know, you know how many bad pilots there are, bad, you know, oh first seasons, shows that don't get renewed. You'd be shocked at the amount of shows that get two, three, and even four seasons. You're like, that had yeah. four seasons? Dinosaurs had four seasons. <laughs> four. Four seasons. Strong. Just um, missed well, syndication. That's the yeah. real travesty. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, it's it was on Netflix for a good while. I don't think it is anymore. I haven't seen it in... What like how starved for content were they at that point? Where they were just like, yeah, throw 500k at dinosaurs. <laughs> they just did Family Matters. Really expensive show too. Gosh. They did they did Family Matters, but with I'm dinosaurs, the and they made Urkel an infant dinosaur baby. Like that was the mm-hmm. show. I think that was mm-hmm. pretty much it. Um, they it's funny that they spun it off into Family Guy though. I never would have expected <laughs> that they could spin dinosaurs <laughs> off into animation. Family Guy is great. Um, but. You know, aside from me, uh, just kind of knowing this movie and have enjoyed it, uh, this movie ranks pretty high for one Richard R.B. Barden. And uh, Richard Demetrius Barden, I should say, is your actual middle name. Um, <laughs> the fourth. I think this actually... Come from just Richard like my Demetrius father Barden and his before. father before him. Yep. 
Um, this one ranks pretty high for you mm-hmm. in the maybe a top ten. Wasn't this a top ten for you in our? I think it was. If not, it was a narrow miss. You know, it would be possible and perhaps intelligent for me to track such things as a top ten, uh, but I I can't fathom on how to do that. And so um, I don't. I never remember what was exactly in my top ten. I know I remember Wayne's World and mm-hmm. like uh, Boogie Nights. It. Boogie Nights for sure. But there's like a whole group of like I have like 15 to 18 top ten movies. I'm gonna look it up like because all, like I know I posted this. The text of yeah. uh, our top ten somewhere. I'm looking. Pretty it up sure Bucky <laughs> Larson was in the top ten. Um, no, that's yeah. coming up. That's coming up next week on the Richard. <laughs> Richard Barden, yeah. uh, former child star <laughs> oh, podcast. God. Oh, no. Lucky yeah. Larson. Mm. Sorry, yeah. Richard. I didn't mean to bring that up. Yeah. It's tough. I hate yeah. you. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to have a uh, fight now. That, that's funny. But no, Richard, kind of, I guess, maybe to start us off here, to throw it back, uh, just maybe tell us your affinity for the movie and why that is, why it's stuck with you this long. Well, uh, yeah, I love, I actually have. You know, always had a uh, guilty pleasure um, uh, affinity for for Hugh Grant. Continue to, for the most part. Uh, This is uh, the one time it didn't have to be a guilty pleasure because this movie, I think, is authentically really good, and he's especially great in it. And it has a really interesting narrative arc in it. It's not a normal plot in terms of the beats, Um, and it's not really normal in tone either because it can be really funny and very sad and. It's just like a really original. I mean, I know it's based on a novel, so it is by nature not a uh, not a original movie. But it it and I've read the novel, and both are excellent in in in, in each of their ways. And I'm not one of those people that has to read every movie based on a book. But uh, yeah. I read this one. I read this one for some <laughs> reason, and uh, it's very good. But I think this works so well as a movie. It's such a tight, mm-hmm. good story, and uh, and. And Grant is just, it's like, you know, it's kind of like Brian and I, we've been watching a lot of NBA playoffs. And for anyone that's a basketball fan out there, it's like, it's so frustrating to watch James Harden because he plays oftentimes in such an ugly style and he's so talented. And and uh, Grant is, I think, just a totally magnetic screen presence, unlike, I mean, almost unrivaled out there. And he doesn't always do the best film. But when he does, when he locks in on something like this, it can be... I think he's great in this, and it's it's uh, such a likable anti-hero, terrible mm-hmm. character that I think all men of a certain age can relate to. And so, uh, and that 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 credit goes to Hornby as well. But 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 Grant is just really the fact that he did this and did it with such gusto is okay. is impressive. Richard, I'm going to read for you your top ten movies of all time, and this was as of two years ago, <laughs> maybe. Let's just see if any of this yeah. rings a bell. Almost three guys. Almost three years. Actually, ago. I'm go- I'm going to put a random movie in here, and you tell me which one was not on your top ten. <laughs> How about that? Uh, number ten, Super Bad. Number nine, Waiting for Guffman. Number eight, MacGruber. Mm. Number seven, Boogie Nights. Number six, Wayne's World. Number five, Royal Tenenbaums. Number four, The Sting. Mm. Number three. About a boy. Wow, I ranked number three. Love it. Uh, number two, Michael Clayton, and number one, Broadcast News. So which one okay. of those was not on the top? I can tell you, because I remember talking about this. I'm going to nail this, Kent. I remember when we were talking about Wayne's World, and I said I wanted a goofy comedy in the top ten, and you said, well, why not MacGruber? And I said, MacGruber may get there one day, but it's not for now. Am I right? Are you? I am right. Don't try to get in my head, Garrison. Okay. <laughs> You are wrong. Oh, oh no. 
no. MacGruber was number eight. I actually switched the Royal Tenenbaums in for Inglorious Bastards, which was your actual uh, number five. See, that oh, seemed wow. weird to me too, but I remember this conversation about MacGruber. Maybe it was on a different episode then we talked we had maybe, this. Maybe, but apparently uh Okay, you in got 2014. Me. Maybe it's not in there anymore. No, I've got to do Bucky Larson too or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just that I did gotta nail you that. That was funny. Stop digging I, that I grave. Stop digging that grave. It. I thought you were gonna I get did, it. We had this conversation, but I you're right. I mean I'm, I that's definitely right because I was I think that might have been Royal Tenenbaums in there yeah. because I Royal, like Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Tenenbaums just, was an honorable mention along with Catch okay. Me If You Can on your list. Got it. Nice. So Nice. That's uh that's why we keep lists of things guys Just put people in the <laughs> I do place. love lists and Brian yeah. loves a list I do That's, he has many computers books of just, just lists. filled with yeah. lists yeah just yeah. notebooks of lists KFBR392 or whatever over and over tons of lists um okay Moving on to about a boy. So number three of all time. Wow, that's actually impressive, Richard. But why is it why is it held up? What fifteen years? This fifteenth year anniversary of about a boy. Uh, why did it hold up more than uh, say a Boogie Nights did, or uh, an Inglorious Bastards, or uh, even a Super Bad? Yeah, no, I think I don't know. I just have a strong love for this movie for the time of which I watched it, and you were how. A boy? how I expected it to be one thing and it really wasn't. And, uh, you know, I think those other movies, maybe not super bad, but the other ones are, um, I like a little heterodoxy, I guess, maybe be a little bit different. And so it's more interesting to have about a boys number three. Cause then if you just do inglorious or one of these kind of fanboy film nerd movies, then I just, I, I mix it with everyone else and I don't want to do that. You know, I want to yeah. live my own life. Can't. <laughs> that isn't unusual. I'd be willing to bet there aren't very many critics out there that have about a boy's number three. That's right. But man. Uh, that's I why you come you know to this what? show, folks. On this last rewatch, man, this movie really does hold up very well. Other than the music and like the Limp Biscuit things in the background, like no joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the Mystical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the all. way, Kent was at uh, a local watering hole called. Um, uh, whippersnapper, uh, Mr. Call was Mr. Call was hosting last Saturday, and I almost went just to just to wow. bump tarantula with my bros, but uh, didn't happen. <laughs> still, still getting it. Uh, that that is what it is. the wall. <laughs> um, so it, you know, there's some stuff culturally that doesn't hold up, some references and things like that. But uh, as a screenplay and as a structure of a movie. And uh, as execution from the actors and directors and the musical choices and the scenery and, and uh, from a pure production, what should a movie be? This is a movie, you know, and uh, and it really occurred to me that this is going to be a classic movie. I've always thought of it as a good movie, but I think this is going to end up being like classic movie. Like maybe, I don't know, Hugh Grant's got a lot, but maybe like the quintessential Hugh Grant being Hugh Grant and doing it well with a yeah. good script and a snappy director and a storyline that's wholesome, but also lighthearted and funny at times. Uh, they don't make movies like this even anymore. Like this is the last ones I can remember of just rom, not rom-coms, but uh, lighthearted family uh, adult comedy. I get that makes sense. Sure. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on it, Brian? I don't even know where it ranked for you or if it ever has ranked for you. Yeah. King, uh, this is a movie that 
I saw it the first time and I really enjoyed it. And then I didn't think about it again for 10 years. And then you met me till I met the RB and then we bought matching cardigans and watched the movie. No, it's eight. I don't know why it, uh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean I'll send you 10 cents. Um, it didn't really hit me as to how good the movie was. I enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought Nicholas Howitt was great. And I, too, like Richard, I really enjoy the work of Hugh Grant um, when Hugh Grant wants to give a crap. I really enjoy that. Um, and then there's times when him not giving a crap is also enjoyable to me because he <laughs> just is so so cocky about it. Just it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of of confidence to go into a bad movie knowing that it is a bad movie and that you are going to kind of be bad in it and be cool about that just be like it's very michael kane-ish except hugh grant is even more cocky about it it's amazing it's an amazing and it's not like he does three movies a year like kane he does like one every four years and sometimes it sucks and he's fine yeah it's weird and i mean this this is a great example because this came out in 2002 and then his next like five movies he is playing basically this character in all those movies except worse every single time like it's just all the way up to music and lyrics that's basically the same exact guy that this is but this one is so much more um it's so much more relevant and it's so much more endearing i always like him but this is this is like where everything comes together perfectly and he gets the right role and the right uh he gets the right script and he really seems to lock in and care about what he's doing on screen. So anyway, I, I don't know. I probably went somewhere between five and 10 years without watching this again. And then uh, I rewatched it and was just kind of struck with how poignant it is and, and really um, authentically emotional without I don't know, without beating you over the head with it, without being in a very British fake. repressed way. Yeah, oh absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah. it's so British and it but that works beautifully for, for the movie. And so, it's so British. Um, yeah, so I've I've watched it I probably watched it once from two thousand two to two thousand twelve and watched it three or four times since and, and I always I come out every time with a greater appreciation for it. And you know, to be fair, I'm a I'm a sucker for this kind of movie, like the Same. Uh, the mentor mentee sort of relationship movies are always something, you know, uh, the way, way back for instance, with Sam Rockwell and the kid and things like that. I, I really gravitate towards those types of movies. And so this is, you know, it's a trope that's very easy for me to, to get into, but this one is so stinking well-written and, uh, and well-directed too. And it, and it gives, I think you're right. Can't like, it gives it more, I think it gives it a lot more legs moving forward than maybe, certainly than I thought it would in 2002. I did not think that we would be talking about this 15 years later and that we could do an entire podcast episode on it. And well, you wouldn't know I what would, a podcast was. Right. We would have no clue. It'd be like, what? Is it like the radio but free? Anyway, no, it, it would It would be totally... I, I would be blown away that, that this would still have any sort of uh, cultural cachet or any interest like why would three people talk about about a boy in 15 years and now it to me it totally makes sense well, and we'll see if you know the listeners agree but i don't you know don't really care the the <laughs> it, it's it's a really good it's a very good film and i i enjoyed watching it so much today um and kind of had this moment of like why didn't i really appreciate this more um when i saw it the first time around yeah i had the same thought and it's so funny because <laughs> 
I mean, I hadn't seen this probably since 2008, maybe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the first scene comes on, and it's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I was like, well, is there anything more 2002 <laughs> than Who Wants to Be yeah. a Millionaire? Right off the top of it. But, uh, I mean, that puts you puts you right in that, that place again. Nothing nothing more than that music. At least it's not the Regis version of it, though, the British <laughs> version. I'm pretty sure we stole it from them. We yeah. St- Everything good has come from the UK. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Every good band is from from England. Like there's no, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Florida Georgia Line started in England, I think. I think I they actually anyway. were born there, so it counts, right? Yeah. So, well, they, right. then they played Hamburg, military base uh, kind of thing. Or yeah, Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> they played Hamburg. I was trying yeah. to think of where the. <laughs> and it was all good. That's, that's, uh, that's perfect that's... telepathy, there, Richard. Thank you. <laughs> The original drummer left the band, and he's killing himself now. Like he, <laughs> if you're not in Florida with Georgia Lion as the drummer, mm, you're pretty man. much done. Um, okay, <laughs> so it did start in 2002, uh, and that's funny in a way. But uh, something that holds up as much as something like Ferris Bueller, in, in my sense, uh, was the narration. And yeah. I didn't really think about that too much when I thought about this movie I just thought about Hugh Grant's performance let not not much of his narration but his narration and uh the way that one of the better kind of, narration it's just the way that it's written in the first person it works there and it also works when the kid does it too Nicholas Holt who he's great good you know he actually became something name how many child child actors ever become something after one breakout role in a you know, rom-com or whatever it is, you know? Uh, I don't know, bro. Freddie Highmore has like six Oscars, right? <laughs> no idea who that is. He's, he was the, uh, he was finding Neverland and then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kid oh. from about the same time. You don't, you yeah. don't read my Freddie I remember Highmore the Charlie blog? kid. Like, I only remember him from that movie. I couldn't, couldn't tell you one other thing he was in. Haley Joel Osment is like the only kid actor of, of my lifetime, except for Macaulay Culkin. Like, those are the only mm-hmm. two. And yeah. Mara Wilson was mixed in there somewhere. And that's it. Yeah. Like, there's none. Worked out well for all of them, I think. Uh, What's I mean, her name? Haley Joel Osment was in uh, Entourage. So things are going well. <laughs> yeah. The one that kind of sneaks in, like, Tusk? after a long time, a long time <laughs> off that came back is, uh, I never know how to say her last name, but Anna Klumski or whatever her name is, it's on V. Oh, that yeah, was my girl. Yeah. She kind of mm-hmm. like got back in the fold shockingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And again, I'll reiterate, Macaulay, not even the best Culkin. So we can't even, <laughs> no. not, a, not a great, not a great how it ended up. Um, so yeah, Nick Holt, pretty good job. Uh, is there anything worse than his haircut in this movie though? I don't know if that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm nope. pretty sure that was on purpose, but... He has to regret that, that that's on screen mm-hmm. forever. That chili bowl, whatever is going on there <laughs> at the time. Uh, funny. Cool look, though. I love at the end when he's kind of gotten a little bit of a, a makeover and his hair is still terrible. Like, it's still an awful look. Poor kid. Yeah. I like the movie and, and the fact that it starts out as two separate stories, two separate lives, the lives yeah. of Will and, and the kid. And they're both going through a really hard time. Uh, they kind of find each other inadvertently or run into each other or become acquainted inadvertently through I think he, what, he threw bird he, he threw bread on a duck, <laughs> killed the duck, so he ran over there to talk the police down or something. Yeah, that's and such a perfect scene. It's so great. funny. Yeah, it's great. It's uh it's funny. I mean they, they come together but they, they really didn't need each other at that point in their lives, the father figure and the uh 
the son figure or the, you know, sense of responsibility that having a kid entails, even though he kind of got himself into the mess by trying to get with a girl, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah. I think he f- deep down realized that that was, that helped him grow. Will did. It helped him grow and become the person he was supposed to be and, and all that. And, uh, so it has the family aspect of it. Uh, single father. And then he says he's got a two year old boy. I love the, the stuff of him at the, what is it? Splat or something? Uh, oh, single, yeah. Yeah. single Gosh. parents. Uh, what What is it called? I forgot. It's not splat. That's horrible. Yeah, it is. I think it is spat. It's like single spat. parents. Ah, something, something together, right? Yeah. Shoot. Maybe it is splat. Uh, you're you're going to look up the, uh, the about a boy. Uh, There's that chant they do. It's like single parents together, single yeah. parents. But I can't think of the third word, so I'm just <laughs> ranting. Alone together, single parents alone, alone together. together. Spat. Yeah. That's spat. Spat is a, br- a very British yeah. word, so I don't think of spat. Yeah. He spat at me. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so the spat stuff is is hilarious, and uh, I mean yeah. the way it kind of ends up, though. I mean. We're going to spoil this movie, by the way. It's 15 years it's old. It's 15 years um, old. You're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. The, the way they bring that back at the end, where he mm-hmm. just walks in and says, yeah, I don't have a kid. I just said that to, make, to meet women. And then she, uh, the, the mom is there of the kid, and he, and he goes, I really got to talk to you about something. She's like, what? <laughs> We're in the trust circle. You can say anything in front of us. <laughs> he goes, stop trying to commit suicide. And then <laughs> yeah. it immediately cuts to them. Why did you Ooh. say that? You know, it's uh, you can say anything. Why did you say that? But that's like maybe the most for me, and we it might be different for you guys, but that's the most emotional scene for me in the movie is um, when he's talking her out of killing herself or Mm -hmm. you know, reacting like that or stuff like that. I mean, that's 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 rough. I mean, that's when it gets real for you're like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. this is real life, you know, uh, you. You get kind of caught up in it, but that really brings it back down to earth. What is, what kind? Yeah, of, uh, it, it the movie as a whole, like it really dances around the uh, the emotional aspect of everything that's happening. Kind of drapes it in very dry British humor, which is what makes it, I think, so good. What makes it enjoyable instead of just like being depressed for an hour and a half. But and when it I, comes around yeah. to those moments, it really they hit hard and they and they they kind of strike the right note of right when you need to be reminded that like, Hey, at the core of this movie, it's about a terrible human being who becomes a little bit less terrible because there's a kid whose mom is trying to kill herself. Like that's, that's what this is all about. And so when they get around to kind of pointing you in that direction, it's like, Oh wow. I I kind of have forgotten that this is what I'm dealing with here. I think she says, why did you say that out loud? That's a personal struggle for me. And he says something like, it's not a personal struggle because look at everybody you've affected by it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You're tearing everybody apart. You're, everybody's, you know, being around her is what uh, she wasn't thinking about, uh, the people that had to deal with her. You know, she thought of it as such a personal thing, and but it wasn't. And, you know, that stuff works. And, and also the stuff of Marcus trying to fit in at school works really well in this movie. Uh, just kind of Will's personal life and his not giving a, a crap about anything and his, his inheritance, you know, he feels kind of guilty most of the time. I think about what inheriting a music royalty fortune or something like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, th- to say the struggles are limited in this movie would be an understatement. Uh, I mean, these guys, they definitely were going through it. But Richard, what kind of works for you from a emotional level in this, most of all? Yeah, I think there's there's a few. You're you're totally right that it's kind of masked in uh, in humor, uh, very British humor, uh, and very quippy, funny lines. But uh, but there's a few different. What I like is um, there are multiple kind of small arc of emotional drama here, and they're they're kind of interspersed throughout the film. There's obviously early on with the with the suicide attempt. There is then the drama point of kind of Will hanging out with the family and then having to hang out more. Mm-hmm. There's uh, then you bring R- Rachel Weiss in like halfway through the movie, if not more, um, and her son <laughs> and that the drama that that brings. And then it kind of all comes to a head. But there's like all these kind of mini climaxes along the way mm-hmm. um, that are ripe with, you know, human experience and very good acting and writing. Uh, and then it kind of calms back down and then we're going to have some, then it's going to be the boys watching countdown and, and uh, buying trainers and things like that. And then it, it kicks back off. So I just think it's, it's very much like a play in the way where it relieves the drama um, really uh, organically and natural to the plot, but also really effectively, you know, while you're watching it. Hey man, fam question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Something I love that Will, the it's kind of a little sequence or montage where he's talking about breaking days up into units, how he would uh, say, he said hours were too, uh, hours were too much of a commitment. So he would break each 
hour into two units of 30 minutes. <laughs> so he'd be like, you know, taking a shower, one unit, you know, brushing my teeth, a half a unit or whatever he would say. You know, I, I just loved his kind of perspective on life for the most part, other than kind of the his love life and family life. Uh, but his kind of carefree attitude is kind of infectious. It reminds me of Office Space, you know, where Ron Livingston's just like, I did nothing and it was everything I thought it could be, you know? Uh, I really didn't feel like coming to work, so I just didn't go, you know? <laughs> he, sure, he just has yeah. this kind of nonchalant way of just kind of cruising and strolling through life that you envy, the but best, you realize it's not practical in any sense. The best line is at the very beginning when they introduce him to his new goddaughter and then there's something horribly <laughs> profane and then not horribly profane, yeah. moderately profane. And then he says, and then they're kind of surprised. He goes, uh, we thought there was some like deeper person underneath. He goes, no, you've actually always said that wrong about me. I, I really am the shallow. <laughs> like that's yeah. such the delivery and writing of that line is so fabulous. Yeah. It's very, that's the most Hugh Grant line. Like when he dies, <laughs> yeah. we got to put that on the tombstone because that's, that's that his Oscar perfect. scene in the immemorial. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What he's going to, He's going to take her to prom or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get her drunk. <laughs> and then quite, quite, I mean, let's be honest. And then, no, no, you've really always said that wrong about me. I really am the show. <laughs> That's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, that is probably. And this movie came out at a time where it was like peak Hugh Grant acceptability. You know, just. it, it Just came, come back a few years before yeah. from the Divine Brown situation. <laughs> right. And. Well, I mean, who ha- I mean, who hasn't been there? I, I, uh. <laughs> Judge not, West. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, so, I think you're right, Richard. I, I like the stuff with uh, the girl he's with and her son. You know, and them using the kids as an excuse to like yeah. let's uh let's have our kids have a play date, aka let's have let's go out, or you know, yeah, and that kind of awkward situation that a lot of kids are put in with step kids or step brothers or sisters and everything. It, 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 that's something you never think about too, is, uh, the awkward first interactions between step brothers. I mean, they made the movie step brothers about kind of that playing off that, but this, uh, this is kind of the other side, the non humorous side of it, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Uh, also, will talking with Marcus about, you know, the talent show thing happens and how many, how many movies end with some kind of musical performance in a public setting and then everybody makes up because it was, uh, it was hey, lighthearted when it's done. Well, it's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I cry, I cry at the end of school of rock. So it's <laughs> little Miss Sunshine, right? It works yeah. great. You're naming favorite movies of mine. I must have a thing. I'm going to sing in public next time I see you. Okay, good. We'll, we'll get, we'll gather around the table and have a good old campfire song. Um, as when he goes to the talent show, Will does for Marcus, and he's like, "Why, why are you going to do this?" Speaking of suicide, I think he says this is career suicide. You know, this is like you're dying in a, you're killing yourself in a completely social way. You know, you're already struggling, and this is going to put the nail in the coffin, so to speak. And he says, uh, "Marcus says, well, I'm doing it because I know my mom will be happy." And he, I think, he says to Marcus. Nothing you can do can make her happy. She has to do that on her own. Yeah, it's a I great love th- I love that too. And just the stress that he must have felt for her mm-hmm. coming home to see her like that or waking up to see her like that. Uh, he wanted to do everything he could. 
he realized he didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway, and then Will rescues him and all that. And uh, it's a really simple uh, writing thing, but it's done effectively. And like again, the word organically doesn't seem fake, but you know these two characters, Marcus and Will, really complete each other. They both have knowledge that the other one needs um, emotionally or intellectually or whatever. And so it's a, it's a really a dual mentor mentorship. You know, obviously the older mentor kind of teaches the kid that hey, this is not your fault. You know, this is your mother's issue, and do not put this on yourself and be there for her. But you know, mm-hmm. do not blame yourself. And then, you know, he teaches Will that, you know, he should be human and <laughs> have emotions. And it's they the, the it's done really well that they help each other. Yeah, Brian, uh, any thoughts on the talent show sequence and kind of how everything kind of comes together in that final maybe 10 minutes of the movie? Yeah, it's funny to see him. Killing Me Softly, funny choice for uh, a song, too. When it is. When they're singing it totally, at the piano. Yeah. And he's like, as Hugh Grant says, so the worst part was when they closed their eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good moment. Yes. Uh, but yes. how does it come? It, they play the song again at the talent show. How does it all come together for you? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a perfect way to kind of close the whole movie out because it's very ridiculous and and cringy but it fits so well for the for the plot and for these really weird characters and then to have to have Hugh Grant's character come out and and really not just like help the kid out but but go above and beyond to make a fool of himself so that all of the angst or or mockery is going to be aimed at him instead of the poor kid who's already got enough going on with his haircut you know like that's I think that's a it's it's really funny, but also again, it's very poignant, and that's what the, I mean, that's what the whole movie is trying to get across. So I think Richard, I think you're right. I, I love that's one of my favorite elements of a movie like this. This kind of trope of uh, you know this person, this one, this person is mentoring someone else who really needs needs somebody just to teach them about life or help them out or give them something that they need that they're not getting from a parent or something like that, and you know inevitably said mentor learns from the mentee and that's just kind of how it usually goes. But this one is done so well that it, and, and in such a, such a light fitting fashion that, you know, that last scene comes about and it's, it seems like, yeah, this is exactly where, this is exactly how this should go. This totally fits what we're trying to, uh, to accomplish with the movie. Absolutely. And I, and I also love that the person, <laughs> that the <laughs> the band before them, I love when the principal comes on stage and says, that was the death penalty crew with murder <laughs> for life. <Yes. laughs> Just like, yeah. so, so strong. Such a funny bit. There's always yeah. those kids, right? Mr. Cal, or when she says, uh, the Mr. Cal song is shake or whatever. And she goes, oh, is he Moroccan? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some great, just like mm, lovely, yeah. <laughs> great, just throwaway, very English yeah. lines in this that are kind of mm-hmm. bizarre but wonderful. Yeah. I think that's all Hornby. It's got to be. Oh, totally. I also, <laughs> I think it's the. Fr- I don't think it's the last scene. I think it's the first one when they're at Spat, and the first woman that the camera pans across is wearing a shirt that says Lorena Bobbitt for Surgeon oh, yeah. General, <laughs> and, and that's face. just that killed me every time. I, every, it's like that's the type of joke that you kind of forget about when you haven't seen the movie for four or five years, and then you see that like, oh right, that's oh, we're back hilarious. in those times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll date it. Oh. Okay, I, I loved one last thing before we uh, need to wrap up here and uh, give grades is 
I love the no man is an island, how that kind of comes back at the end too, mm-hmm. uh, at the end where they, they really decide they need each other. I can't do this alone. This is tough kind of a thing. And, sure. uh, you know, ties up in a little bit. I mean, this is nominated for best original or best adapted screenplay at the Oscars. So this did get some recognition. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. What do you? So I looked at 2002 at the films that were nominated. I looked at film, actor, and supporting actor uh, because as I was watching this, I was I was like, "How is Hugh Grant? This is the best performance of his career, and he's a very he's a pretty well respected actor. How did this not get nominated? So here's here's what we've got. And I wanted I wanted to. He got a Globe nomination, right? Yeah, he got a Globe because they had okay. comedy. Yeah, so exactly. That he, yeah, so he so you got that. So Best Picture for me, this was not a particularly great year of 2002, and this would probably be my number one at, top three for sure for me that year. But uh, Best Picture nominees that year were Chicago, Ugh. which I hate, uh, Gangs of New York, The Hours. No one has watched The Hour since 2002. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it was the that... room of 2002. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, two, uh, Lord of the Rings, The, the Two Towers, and yeah, then The fine. Pianist. Um, the what? what? The the Pianist. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pronounce cool. that very... <laughs> just confirm it. <laughs> just over just making sure yeah. headphones yeah. cut out there. Whoa, sure. how did I miss that movie? Uh, <laughs> what a weird year. Uh, I'm pretty sure I would have heard about that one. <laughs> hey, by the way, also Hugh Grant. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, fast better. Um, Starring no, Hugh Grant. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his Lorena Bobbitt shirt. Oh! <laughs> Hi-yo! Full circle. Right, Full circle. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. Love it. So All that's right. your Best Picture nominees. You I know would what? I would have in... taken out The Hours for sure. Probably Chicago. Oh, 100%. Gosh. Stop with The Hours. Anyway, I, that definitely, I think it should have been there, and in hindsight, surely it would be. Actor, Adrian Brody for... The Pianist, uh, Jack Nicholson about Schmidt, Nick Cage adaptation, Daniel Day Lewis, Gangs of New York, and Michael Caine, The Quiet American, which is another movie that no one has seen Man, since. I forgot about adaptation being the same year. This yeah, is a very same. similar kind of uh, mm-hmm. work. Maybe it's that's easily, what edged out Hugh Grant for that. That sure. nomination was Nick Cage. Yeah, well deserved I, though. That's a stronger yeah, no, field. Yeah, that's a stronger field than the best picture field, in my opinion. But I still think I could have found a slot for uh, for Hugh Grant. And then supporting actor was uh, Chris Cooper for adaptation. Chris Walken, American Treasure. Chris Walken for Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. American Treasure. Uh, John C. Riley for Chicago. Ed Harris for The Hours. And I don't know how he's not American Treasure. Paul Newman for Road to Perdition. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, so that's pretty a strong. strong. That's would, pretty pretty solid. Yeah, I don't remember that Ed Harris performance. So maybe I'd bump him out. Yeah. But he. What control room did he operate in the hours? <laughs> Some of my favorite bits that we have, Brian, that we pretend that Ed Harris has a control room set built in his house and he just right. films the, all those scenes on his own for different <laughs> just movies. Just like on an iPhone. Like, there you go. That's fun. <laughs> there you go. I did all my work in a day. <laughs> like members of his family play all the people on computers. <laughs> the- just green screen these out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score on this, 94%. It's pretty good. Yep. Solid. <laughs> pretty solid. The budget, $30 million. It made $130 million, so it wow, did pretty strong. well. Mm-hmm. It a lot of that was out, overseas. It came out uh, a day after Attack of the Clones came out. 
Mm. Uh, and uh, that might have maybe hurt its. Uh, yeah, not buzz great the marketing time. there, guys. Were, not- I, I was only thinking about Attack of the Clones for like <laughs> nine months after that, so mm-hmm. no, not surprised. Yeah. I didn't go to the movies for a year because I was yeah. just like tearing my clothes and yeah. mourning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was so. looking up show times and like little blurbs on this movie and i was like wait there's no there's no senate scenes in about a boy then i'm out no galactic senate there there's no one mention of sand i am out there is no trade federation anywhere there's no blockade couldn't even get parliament or something come on yeah it is unnecessarily uh Crazy Even Skyfall has Parliament. Come By on. the way, and this is ridiculous that this has happened because he had this, and then I think Love Actually was the next year, and we have this Love Actually sequel kind of online thing coming out in about a month or something, right? But how has the Hugh Grant Prime Minister movie not happened? Yeah. Like, isn't that just the easiest two hundred million dollars anyone's ever made? Like <laughs> Hugh Grant, he's the Prime Minister. Stuff happens, and we're all in, right? Like, who doesn't go see that? <laughs> I'm yeah. in. I mean, I'm, you I'm in. Let's, let's, let's like write it. Let's do it dollars, by the yeah. way, <laughs> and it would make so much money. <laughs> what was he in last year? Uh, Florence yeah. Foster Jenkins. Florence yeah, Foster he was good in that too. By yeah, the way, yeah, that movie's was. pretty yeah. insufferable. But he—that's another yeah. one where he actually. Oh yeah, that's right. You Grant can actually. Oh, there he is. Right. All right, we'll see you in five years. Never forget his <laughs> his groundbreaking role in Cloud Atlas too. That one. <laughs> oh, God, all of them roles. Yeah, that's when he really mm. brought it. He was but in. He's the goods, man. A movie called American Dreams with a Z? Yeah. With Dennis yeah. Quaid? I don't that was the one that tied in a parody of the Bush administration with a parody of American Idol. All in one yeah. film. I did because not that's what remember you, that at it's all. It's the wow. most... It's like, how could we... Britney Snow, bro. Come on. How could we I like her. encapsulate 2004 in a movie? I mean, that movie has to have aged. I haven't yeah. seen it. in. I think I saw it in 2004, but I haven't seen it in years. That, I mean, there's no way that movie even can even will play on any kind of streaming service yeah. or like a Blu-ray now because it'll just explode because it's, it checks yeah. your clock on your device and it's not 2004 <laughs> and your device just blows up. Yeah. Chris Klein is in that movie, so that tells so you. So Seth Meyers in, a, in an acting role, which right. has got to be good. Yeah, both uh, times. Yeah. So flashback for a second before we hit grades to 2002, and this is the AFI top ten. Top 10 films and top 10 TV shows of 2002. Man. This is uh, American Film Institute. So chances are maybe th- maybe this could get in the top 100 someday if it uh, if it ranks so high on the 2002 list. But it they had for films about a boy, about Schmidt, Adaptation, Antoine Fisher. Only A movies for the rest of this entire <laughs> list. Chicago, Frida, Gangs of New York, <laughs> The Hours, the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Quiet American. Man, wow. I cannot remember one thing about The Quiet American. I don't even, I don't know the plot. I don't know the, I'm sure I saw it because I it had Michael Caine and Brendan Fraser. Had Brendan Fraser, so <laughs> oh, you know it's good. <laughs> it made uh, it lost money. British reporter vies with a young U.S. doctor for the affections of a beautiful Vietnamese woman. I fell asleep seven <laughs> times reading that. It Gosh, lost. It lost money. Awful. It made only twenty seven million out of a thirty million dollar budget. I want to see this. This might be. <laughs> this might be Brian through the looking glass. <laughs> Good lord! Ugh. The Quiet American. Okay, here's the top ten TV shows of two thousand two. Talk about flashback. Oh no! <laughs> I'm nervous. The West Wing. It was a weird year. Okay. The Sopranos. Okay, so far so good. 
Six mm. feet under. All right, fine. All right. The, the Simpsons. All right. Still strong. Gilmore Girls. Yeah, there oh, we go. Richard. There we go. What up, Roy? How you living? Everybody loves Raymond. Hi. <laughs> Ray. Deborah. Ray. We'll just do actually, the whole There's nothing wrong loves with everyone loves Raymond. Like, it's yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, the Gathering Storm. Mm. No, I have all the box thing. sets at home. <laughs> Boomtown. British, right? Broomtown. Broom ta- what? Boomtown. Boom okay. Broom- I remember Broomtown. Broom it's just witches. Broomtown. Yeah. <laughs> really good. <laughs> the chimney sweeps and witches. That's the only people that live in Broomtown. Oh, that's right. That was like a Donnie Wahlberg joint, wasn't it? Boomtown? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah, Boomtown. Oh, it's Boston? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Wicked smart. Yeah. <laughs> Bac- Bac- Did you pop that car? That for the whole season? <laughs> The Gathering Storm was an HBO miniseries or TV movie, basically. Okay. So uh, about door, Winston door Churchill. Door to door. That's remember, remember door to door. No. Oh, it's a TV movie <laughs> as well. Oh, okay. Oh, with, it's with William Edward. H. Ma- okay. William H Macy. Hmm. And uh, the Believer. Oh, that's the Believer. Familiar. It's a made-for-TV movie with Ryan Gosling and Billy Zane. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, Billy Zane. <laughs> Stop the gold, selling, The guys. gold colonel himself. <laughs> it's about the clan and the Nazis, so you know oh. it's probably... All right. I want to see... It's okay. Another one of my hypothetical time-traveling g- dreams <laughs> is going back to 1997 Billy Zane, hot off of Titanic, oh, and yeah. showing him footage from 20 years from today. You're going to be the gold colonel in a KFC ad, <laughs> and uh, then just sit there laughing. I <laughs> could... What a weird career he's had. But a great one. All right. Let's hit a grade about a boy. I'm going to give this an A. Super solid. Brian. Yeah, I'm going to go A+. Plus without, I don't have lists going back to 2002. I think I started at 2004. Why not? Better start. I know, that's what I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get through the 70s right now. But uh, yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would hazard to guess this is top three for me from, from that year, for sure. And it gets better... I think with age, Richard. How about you? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to give this a solid C plus, B minus, somewhere in there. <laughs> not a big uh, Hugh Grant fan. No, not a big Hugh Grant fan, and I'm not. I mean, all I've never given any movie. But no, this is an A plus <laughs> for sure for me. I love this. It's such a fun. Its rewatchability is pretty strong too. Um, yeah, this definitely. is one you can pop in every for me, like every year or two, which is a lot. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It uh, holds up well. It was a fun one to revisit. And uh, we're going to have to think of some other 2002 movies. I would do an adaptation episode if we do that. And no, we're not doing Chicago. We do need to do Lord of the Rings trilogy at some point, Brian. Yeah, you and me, not Richard. He's scared of the woods. No, I've seen those, though. I know of them. There's the ones with the the orcs, right? And then there's like a bow and arrow at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And winter's coming. You got the gist of it. It's perfect. No, I could do Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, they're great. They're masterpieces. I can get it on there. Maybe next year, because I think Return of the King turns 15 next year. We can do the whole series next year. Cool. Three hours each. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just a little bit short of each each running time for the movies. We could get matching tattoos when we're done, too. Perfect. I'm in. Okay. Dibs on Legolas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will do that. We need to think of an excuse, though, because... Totally. It needs yeah. to feel right. We should have done it around the times that we did all the Hobbit movies, but those have come mm-hmm. and gone. No, Brian's got it, though, because Return of the King turns 15 next year, so we'll do it then. 
You just weren't I, listening to Brian. Yeah, How dare totally. you, Kent? I watch those movies every year. That's one of the... Those are not kid-related, maybe the only movies that I... Every single year, I will watch them. So maybe sure. the best box set that I have, Lord of the Rings trilogy, Blu-ray set. It's, mm-hmm. Man, it's got all those production diaries that Peter Jackson did for a while. He did like one a week, a video a week uh, about the production of the movies. And there's probably yeah. three hours of documentaries for each movie. Yeah. And it's, it's oh, maybe easily, the, the yeah. funnest film series to learn about just the mm-hmm. production of it and everything. And he did yeah. one for King Kong. That was really impressive too. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate are, directors that do that kind of stuff, you know, the behind yeah. the scenes look and yes. all that and uh, take you through it all. I love it. Same here. Those are really good. You should also check out the Grown Ups box sets because Doug Dugan <laughs> did some great behind the scenes work. How is uh, Sandy Wexler doing at the... Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean look it up? Let's see. Let's see. Surely it's got a Rotten Tomato score. Right? Somebody, it's 34. It's like higher than you would oh, think. I looked wow, it up earlier that's today. That's shocking. Holy cow. Jennifer Hudson. She brings it yeah. up. Thir- yeah, 31%. But it's only got 16 reviews, so there's that. There, It was Pixels' last movie in the theater. I think it was. <laughs> the, I uh, think they're done with him after Pixels. Like, nope, nope, maybe. we're good. We're good. Well, apparently he's all in on this Netflix thing because Netflix loves him. Because, and they're paying him. Bank off of it. Bank, yeah. and the movies don't have to be good. Yeah. Like, there's no pressure to be number one that weekend or whatever. Sure. And I think... Netflix released a stat. It's so sad. It said they said something like our users have watched, you know, seven hundred million hours of Adam Sandler on our <laughs> it was some crazy number like that. Like could a have fixed cancer, hours. but instead yeah. we had to watch a lot of Sandberg. Or uh, excuse me, Sandler. How uh, Sandberg is okay. Uh, this is a positive review for Sandy Wexler. Just the blurb on Rotten Tomatoes from T- Peter DeBurge, uh, DeBrudge, excuse me, of Variety says those. This is positive, mind you. Though Sandy Wexler comes from a place of genuine affection, it feels oddly cruel as depicted. Sandy isn't just oblivious, but borderline incompetent. So oh, no there's the way. positive. Shocker. That's a positive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta go. And uh, watch <laughs> so, so uh, Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter, BGill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, various Mad About Movies uh, podcast websites and newsletters around the world in many cultures and languages. And you can find me on all social media at Richard Barden, all one word. Kent, I've been looking for you my whole life. My brother, where are you? Where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Kent Garrison, and uh, find us online, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review on there. If you like what you hear, that helps grow the show. And uh, the next throwback, which is a surprise, we will see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.